Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining me for Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. It's been a little over a week since last time I was on here, and uh, my system was on the fritz. It had been on the fritz for a while, and hopefully we've got that fixed. I've got a new system set up now, and and uh, so it's been, been quite a month, really, a lot of different ways. But today, I have a lot of fun stuff to talk about, um, a lot of basketball, uh, a couple of home games I want to talk about a little bit, and then... Uh, bummer to lose to the number one team in the nation with Purdue, but it was to be expected. You go on the road, put up a, a good fight in the second half after playing really poorly in the first half. But, you know, the Hawkeyes are showing some life out there. It's a pretty good team and a fun team to watch. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about basketball. After that, I do have some football news and notes. Yeah, there's been a transfer portal get that is huge for the Hawkeyes this coming season. And then a not-so-fun situation with, with Brian Ferentz and, and all the publicity that the Hawkeyes are getting over that whole deal and how Gary Barta handled it, which I don't think is a very good way. But first, I want to talk some basketball and some really fun things to talk about. You know, the two big home wins, starting with Northwestern last week. And you know, it's a pretty talented Wildcats team. Hard to believe Chris Collins is in year 10 at Northwestern. And now they have guys like Chase, Adige, Boo, Bowie, really nice-looking players, athletes. They can shoot the ball. But the Hawkeyes won by 16 points, 86-70. to 70. And this is another team, you know, the, the Wildcats, that are known for their defense, and the Hawkeyes just tore their defense apart. Iowa shot almost 56% from the field, almost 48% from three in the game. And that was the big difference, the Wildcats. Shot fairly well overall, 47%, but just 24% from three. They only hit four threes to 10 for the Hawkeyes. Kind of the story of the game right there. Both teams filled it up from the line, but Iowa got there more often and outscored Northwestern by six from the free throw line. The Hawkeyes with an eight rebound advantage. Nice job hitting the glass, but two more turnovers than the Wildcats, uh, 12 to 10. So both teams did a pretty good job taking care of the basketball. Philip Rabracha, you know, he was really bringing it in this game. He scored 20 points on 9 of 13 shooting. He had a double-double with 10 rebounds. Just really love how the big fella gets after it underneath the hoop. And a bit of a quiet game for Chris Murray, but he had 16 points, 8 rebounds. Most players would love to have that kind of production. He just, the same thing with Keegan last year. They just do it quietly. You're like, man. Chris didn't do a whole lot in this game. Oh, 16 points, 8 rebounds. I mean, that's a pretty good day for most players. Double figures for Perkins and Connor McCaffrey. And Brand just played three guys off the bench against Northwestern. Peyton Sanford was huge. He scored 20 points. He was just on fire. Five of seven from three. Also had four rebounds and five assists in 23 minutes. So just a really well-rounded Nice game by Peyton Sanford, and he is getting you know, more and more comfortable out there. And uh, when he is on, the Hawkeyes are really tough to beat. Josh Dix and Patrick McCaffrey with some valuable minutes as well. Uh, but a big win for the Hawkeyes. Good to see them continuing to defend the home court. You know They were able to, to do so in really a hard-fought, really fun game to watch against the Illini on Saturday as well, with the Hawkeyes winning 81-79. to in just a back-and-forth game, and that game was so entertaining to me. I, I, I was watching it with, 
with a few people out at the local establishment and and man you know we were just going nuts throughout that game some of the stats you kind of shake your head and wonder how the Hawkeyes won Illinois shot 49 percent to 45 percent for the Hawkeyes both teams made seven three-point shots Illinois out-rebounded the Hawkeyes 37 to 26 13 offensive rebounds to eight you're not going to see Iowa win too often getting beaten on the boards like that but the Hawkeyes made 26 of 30 free throws. That's eight more points at the free throw line than the Illini had. And Iowa, just seven turnovers to 14 for Illinois. So taking care of the basketball, uh, getting points off of turnovers, that was just huge for the Hawkeyes in this game. And Tony Perkins just had it going in this game. He was on fire. His teammates kept feeding him, and he just kept delivering time after time, whether it was was making a bucket, getting fouled, and stepping up to the free throw line. The Illini, they were led by Matthew Mayer. He's the, the Baylor transfer. He looks like Skinny Pete from Breaking Bad, and he had 21 points. He was accurate from behind the arc. You know, they had a couple of other really tough players, Illinois, Dane Danger, the freshman Jaden Epps, but the Hawkeyes did just enough to get the W in a really hard-fought, hard-fought victory. Again, a home game for the Hawkeyes, and they really needed to defend the home court. Tony Perkins, a monster game, 32 points, 28 of those points coming after halftime. He was 8 of 11 from the field. He was money from the free throw line. He made 15 out of 16 attempts. Chris Murray with 19 points and 7 rebounds. Rebracha, 13 points, only two rebounds in 39 minutes. That was kind of a shocker. Uh, he's averaging over eight rebounds per game. Euliss uh, and Connor McCaffrey were quiet in this game, just a total of two points for those two guys. And you know, The bench was expanded a little bit for this game. They had five guys playing off the bench. Mulvey just played a minute, uh, but DeSante Bowen had a few minutes in there. And then some nice production from Sanford again, three of six from three, nine points, six rebounds. And Dix hit a three, and uh, three points for Patrick McCaffrey as well. So good to see a little bit of production off the bench for the Hawkeyes. And you always love getting those rivalry wins. The border state rivalries are just a lot of fun. And, you know, especially in a game like this, it was physical. Uh, they were just coming after each other, and, and one team would get a, a, a little bit of a lead, and the other team would storm back. And, you know, that's one of those games, man, if you were there – Carver, and it was a sold-out game, especially those kids that were at that game. That's one that they'll always remember. A, a really fun win for the Hawkeyes. And then the Hawkeyes hit the road on Thursday to play the number one team in the nation, the Purdue Boilermakers, led by seven-foot, five-inch center Zach Eady. And I really like Zach Eady. I, I'm just impressed by how much he's improved throughout his career. Early on, when I first saw him, I just didn't think he was going to be much of a player, at least offensively. You knew he was going to be a good player to have on your team, playing defense, getting rebounds, blocking shots. But now he is so good offensively, he can shoot the ball. He's money from the free throw line. He can make tough shots inside. But he just impacts the game in so many ways, You know, especially on the defensive end. The Hawkeyes in that first half were kind of stymied by him. They would drive into the lane. It just seemed like they would they would remember that there's a seven five guy there, and they kept trying these high arcing floaters, 
that rarely went into the bucket. Uh, he really made them alter their shots in midair. And the Hawkeyes did a better job in the second half. But man, that first half was was really frustrating to watch. Edie, though, only had 14 points, but he had 14 rebounds, four assists. I mean, that's another thing that he brings. He can pass from the post, and he had five blocks on the defensive end. So just he's a really special player. The other guys, I mean, the Hawkeyes had a strategy of not letting Zach Edie beat them, make the other guys beat them, and the other guys did it. You know, it was it was the guards, uh, Smith, Lawyer, they were knocking down threes. That, that Smith, the freshman, he was 8 of 10 shooting. He was 4 of 5 from 3. He didn't miss a free throw. He had 5 assists. He was everywhere. And so the Hawkeyes did a good job holding Edie down. Only 4 of 7 shooting in the game for Edie. He was 6 of 6 from the line. But the other guys really stepped up. Lawyer had 17. Smith, 24. First with 11 points. Gillis with 10 off the bench. Purdue is just a really tough team. Really tough team to beat. So... You know, I, I can't be too upset with the Hawkeyes. You know, they got it to within six with about four minutes left in the game, and you thought there was a chance, and then Edie hits two shots right away, and they pull back into double figures, and, and the Hawkeyes couldn't get any closer again. Chris Murray had a really nice game. He was 10 of 16 shooting, just one of four from three. 24 points, though. Rebounding, though, he only had two rebounds. Rebracha only five rebounds, uh, 17 points for Philip Rebracha. So our, our, our post players, despite Edie being in there, did a really good job. Perkins had eight points. Euless struggled a bit. He was only one of six from the field. Connor McCaffrey just one of six from the field. Connor McCaffrey was one of four from three-point land, and... The three misses were all air balls. I'm pretty sure of that. The first two were short, and the third one looked like it was about a foot to the side. I couldn't believe that, neither could he, based on his reaction out on the court. And Dix tried one shot in the game, and that was an air ball three. So it was an unusual game for the Hawkeyes. You know, it wasn't They played really well in the second half, just really struggled. In the first half, Peyton Sanford, just 2 of 10, shooting off the bench, 2 of 6 from 3. Uh, Big Jelly got back in there. He's been injured. Uh, he had two points, played four minutes uh, to help get, provide some help against Edie. And Patrick McCaffrey, uh, off the bench, 20 minutes. He was 4 of 6 shooting. He made his only three. Uh, five steals for Patrick McCaffrey in that game. And, and they were really bothering Purdue uh, with that full-court press, uh, three-quarter court press. They, were, they got a couple of 10-second calls where they didn't get it past half-court in time. So there's some positive things the Hawkeyes can take away from this, but Purdue shot 55% of the game. I mean, that's just that's not very good defense. And they were leaving when they were doubling – Edie in the post. They were leaving guys wide open for three or jump shots. Just not doing a good enough job rotating over on those. The Hawkeyes shot about 45% from the field. Iowa just 5 of 18 from three, 28%. And Purdue just 10 of 27, so they made twice as many threes, 37%. 
and Purdue got to the line. The Hawkeyes, you know, I don't know what was going on there. It just didn't seem like there were many fouls being called on Purdue, and maybe the Hawkeyes just weren't being aggressive enough. Purdue made 11 free throws. The Hawkeyes just six. But the biggest disparity when you look at the statistics here are rebounds. 43 rebounds for Purdue to 23 for the Hawkeyes. I don't know how they did lose by 30 points. 13 offensive rebounds. Iowa had eight. So they were getting putbacks. They were getting second chance points. And that rebounding difference is just unbelievable. And the Hawkeyes, 11 steals to three. That was one of the things keeping a minute. Iowa, only eight turnovers. Doing a really good job taking care of the basketball the last couple games. Purdue had 17 turnovers, but only eight fouls committed by Purdue and 13 for the Hawkeyes. And you know, Purdue pretty much owned this game. The Hawkeyes had that slow start in the first half, down 38 to 21 at halftime. Outscored Purdue in the second half, 52 to 49. But that's not, you know, defensively they couldn't really shut down Purdue or, or get anything done there. So. Hey, again, that was the number one team in the nation. You're playing them on the road. Mackey Arena, really difficult place to play. I've just been there one time to see a game. That was in the, the Steve Alford era. So, of course, of course, Hawkeyes didn't win that game. But, uh, you know, the Hawkeyes have been on a bit of a run. They were 0-3 to start the Big Ten season, and, and they've improved their position quite a bit. So that's exciting to see. They play at Minnesota on Sunday, and that's going to be a huge game. They need to get one or two of these these road wins coming up uh, just to, to solidify their position, you know, for that seeding in the Big Ten tournament as well as in the NCAA tournament. So good game, good games this past week. You know, the Hawkeyes won two of them. They, they knocked. They got the win on the home games, and that's what they needed to do, and, and then had a difficult road test, and and uh, back on the road on Sunday. Life in the Big Ten. Well, that's enough basketball for today. Let's switch gears and talk a little bit of football. Some really positive news coming out of the transfer portal where the Hawkeyes landed a linebacker, and, and I'm very excited about this. You look at the Hawkeyes for next year, the biggest surprise as far as a transfer out on the defensive side was Justin Jacobs, the linebacker who was injured during the 2022 season. He was expected to step in and be a big piece of that defense in 2023. With this transfer to Oregon, the Hawkeyes really had only number 34, Jay Higgins, as a returning linebacker with a significant amount of playing time in his career. Several other guys on the roster, some have played a little bit, but, but not a whole lot with you know, Jack Campbell, Seth Benson both graduating, heading to the NFL. So that was going to be a bit of a question mark for Phil Parker's defense going into next year. But now the Hawkeyes have a commitment from former Virginia linebacker Nick Jackson. He picked the Hawkeyes over Oklahoma, LSU, and Auburn. And he is a multiple-time All-ACC selection. I think a three-time All-ACC selection. He'll have one year of eligibility remaining as a grad transfer. And in his Virginia career, he has a whopping 352 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks. He had over 100 tackles, five sacks last season. He is a huge get in the transfer portal for the Hawkeyes. I, 
I didn't know this existed, but now I've seen that they, they consider him a four-star transfer portal player, and I think that's a good thing. So that's seven transfer portal additions for the Hawkeyes now, and one that will make an immediate impact with the losses at the linebacker position due to NFL draft and then the one transfer. Look for Jackson and Higgins to be the two main inside linebackers next season. Maybe Kyler Fisher. There's others battling for that third linebacker spot. And as far as defensively, that was the main thing I wanted to see the Hawkeyes do in the offseason, get a linebacker with experience due, due to that unexpected transfer of Jacobs. So glad to see that done, and the Hawkeyes are getting a good one, a guy that's going to step right in there. He was also a team captain, so he's a leader. I mean, Phil Parker, uh, Seth Wallace, they are just going to love this guy. So that's, that's just huge news for this football team next year. Sounds like the Hawkeyes are still looking around a little bit for a cornerback. They have guys, but I think depth is, is a bit of a concern right now. So they may want to try to add one guy to improve depth in case of injuries. Well, that's all I have around Transfer Portal today. I do have a few quick comments uh, around the Kirk Ferentz, uh, Brian Ferentz situation, the offensive coordinator. Kirk Ferentz had announced that there wouldn't be any changes in the coaching staff, and I wasn't too excited about that. I, you know, I've been pretty vocal that I'd like to see changes to the offense, and I'm not sure if Brian Ferentz is the guy to lead those changes. But you know, maybe this will be the year with some upgraded talent on the offensive line, quarterback. Hopefully, still adding some wide receivers prior to the season starting. Uh, and I mean, it was. A bit disappointing. It was controversial, but I'm a Kirk Ferentz fan overall, and the the nepotism thing. It just gets old hearing about it you know, with his son being the offensive coordinator. Seemed like it would just kind of go away, and then Gary Barda says, "Hold my beer," and releases the terms of Brian Ferentz being able to continue in his current position. And the main things that people grabbed onto were the re- requirement for seven wins and a requirement for scoring 25 points per game. There was also a base salary reduction of 50000 from 900000 to eight fifty. but Brian will make an additional 112000 in incentive pay if the Hawkeyes hit those two marks. And to me, this, this whole thing was just absolutely unnecessary. It caused a storm of media, people wondering why the bar would be set so low. Seven wins. 25 points, those aren't exactly great success markers. 85 Division I teams averaged 25 or more points per game last year out of 131, so not exactly a high mark. But as Kirk Ferentz noted in his press conference a week or so ago, 55-3 and is the Hawkeyes' record over the last five years when scoring 24 or more points. So that may have been foreshadowing a little bit you know, for this announcement. Um, and Iowa's not going to be a team that is going to be scoring a ton of points. They're not going to be running a hurry-up offense. They get the lead. They're going to kind of you know burn clock and, and not get too aggressive. So, I, I mean, the 25 points, while it doesn't look that impressive overall, it it's probably is for the Hawkeyes a decent mark with the defense and special teams play that the Hawkeyes have. And if Iowa doesn't score 25 points and win seven or more games, Brian Ferentz no longer has a contract. So 
it sounds like it's Gary Barta's way to get out of having to keep Brian Ferentz on. Really interesting stuff. I looked it up to see the last time Iowa won just seven games, not counting the 6-2 and two COVID shortened 2020 season, and it was in 2014. Iowa was 7-6 and six that year after losing the bowl game. And in 2012, the Hawkeyes only won four games. So highly unlikely the Hawkeyes won't win seven games, especially with the schedule next year, not playing Michigan or Ohio State, the additions to the offense and the transfer portal that should really make this offense run a lot more smoothly. And 25 points, you know, again, it's not exactly burning it up, um, but maybe it is for, you know, a team that's trying to limit the possessions that the other team has, run the ball and pass, you know, kind of mixing it up, but not playing, playing a hurry up and, and, and really trying to limit how many possessions the other team gets. So I, I just, I worry about some of the, the side effects that there could be from this 25 points, such as running up the score against lesser opponents, you know, going for a touchdown when they should be kicking a field goal. Some of those things that could happen you know, with that only metric being 25 points per game. Hopefully this won't cloud any of these any, any of the coaching that goes on. But this is the performance metric that Brian Ferentz has given. So, I mean, that's what he's going to be going for. I don't know why Gary Barta can't just have the conversation with Kirk, Brian, have other witnesses. Here's our expectations. If they aren't met, then we need to move on after next season and not look just so foolish for having these metrics and showing – how much money he's going to make, a nice little raise if he hits these kind of non-metrics to me. I think the Hawkeyes will easily hit both of those next season. So why did he do anything? Does he, does he really think Iowa won't win seven games next season with the upgrade to the offensive line and quarterback, Eric All coming in to play tight end? You know, they got Seth Anderson in the portal, hopefully more wide receivers coming. Hawkeyes should be scoring 25 points per game next year. If not, it would be an easy decision to let Brian go after next season if the offense is an issue again. You know, again, I thought he should have been gone after this season, but that's not happening. So it's time to jump back on uh, the Brian train and hope that Ohio State 2017 Brian or Holiday Bowl versus USC Brian can show up. You know, that offensive coordinator that had a masterful game plan in both of those games. And, and not some of the really frustrating games that we've seen with that really stagnant, inept offensive performance that we've seen you know, much of the last two years. And a lot of that's been around the offensive line. You know, I was hoping for some bigger transfer portal gets than they've gotten so far, but they have a couple of really solid guys, and maybe that's all they needed with, with everybody else back and, and, and putting in work between now and next season. So hopefully they'll be, they'll be solid there because – Last year, that was just a huge, huge issue. But really, there would be no way to keep Brian Ferentz as offensive coordinator if the offense is still bad in 2023. But now we have these metrics. Seven-win team, score 25 points per game. It's not offensive points. It can come from anywhere, but you're not going to score a ton of points, maybe you know, one to three points You know, if you look at a per-game average. I think for the last couple of years, it was about three and a half points per game on average from the defense. 
But, you know, I'm okay having some metrics in mind for what they need to do, but publicizing this opened Iowa up to a lot of criticism. Gary Barta just doesn't seem to get it. Doesn't The public relations side of it just seems to be missing. That whole athletic department needs some help in the PR realm. And, and to me, really just unnecessary. If you're going to have metrics that are easy to hit, why put that in writing and let the world see these kind of low bar metrics that they have? And the biggest thing to me is, I mean, so there was a bit of a storm, but every game next year, they're going to pull up the graphic. They're going to show where Iowa's sitting. You know, okay, now they have two wins. They're averaging 26 points per game in these two wins. And every game, it's all that people are going to be talking about is where – where are the hot guys on the Brian metrics? So frustrating to me to have that kind of distraction. And, and you definitely don't want players thinking about that. You don't want coaches thinking about those kind of metrics. You just want them going out there and doing their job. But that's it. Last time, I hope that I, I need to even discuss such a thing. But a lot of positive things happening. You know, the transfer portal has been good for the hot guys this year. And hopefully that will continue. And... We'll just have to see what happens, but hopefully that offense is going to be much better this year with the players that they have coming in to join the team. So that's all I have for today. Everybody enjoy a big Super Bowl weekend and go Hawks!